0: It's time for another episode of Badugi All Stars with your host Techmo Super Bowl Nixon the Grouch and Two Four Offsuit.
1: Welcome everybody to episode thirty-two of Badugi All Stars. This is Techmo Super Bowl.
0: This is Nixon the Grouch. This is Two Four Offsuit. <laughs> Good job. That was
1: um, weird. We have Scott Bell of the UB Ultimate Bet documentary coming up later as our guest. Um, for now, Jordan, what have you been up to?
2: Well, um, my softball league has ended for the summer, unfortunately. Yay, baseball sucks. Softball. and Yeah, this isn't even really baseball. They throw underhand. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> embarrassingly, we started off the season five and zero, oh, and have lost every game since, and missed the playoffs. So Did, I don't know. Is, is that, that because, because you the, cut your girlfriend loose? Yeah, is that because you you guys lost your girlfriend? Uh, yeah, she hasn't played this season after her uh, debilitating knee injury. Did she get injured five
0: games into the season?
2: That's what I was thinking. No, that was that was the last season that she played.
0: No.
1: I assumed she was your MVP. So yeah, Chabot.
0: I figured. She- I figured she yep. was a really
2: st- solid sturdy member of your team <laughs> she'll always be my mvp but she doesn't play on the soft game anymore that's cool so uh other than you... that um i've been playing a lot of poker actually which is is good um been playing on merge and games are good games are really good so uh like did anybody send you money or anything
0: <laughs> did they did anyone gift you money and then try and collect on it
2: no i um just deposited a long time ago and built that up and cool. then i recently um this guy actually transferred me money and i don't think that i have to pay it back to him or anything like that but um, it's basically like a birthday present almost <laughs> Oh, nice! <laughs> uh, sounds like
1: sort of uh probably maybe a budding scandal we haven't had one of those in the Poker world in a while.
0: Yeah, yeah. finally a, final, a scandal on Merge. They haven't had any. Their scandal is Tom <laughs> gave money to Jordan without ask, without clear repayment terms. <laughs> this time um. on the People's Court. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Uh,
2: uh. Well, how's it going on Merge? Oh, it's <clears throat> awesome. Um, I don't know why everybody says the games are hard on there because uh, they're not as good as you. Maybe one of the best players. <laughs> but no seriously like there are still a lot of fish on there and the rigs i played with are not really difficult to play against you know they don't put you to a lot of hard decisions they just kind of do their thing which is fine by me money that's your thing yeah i've also run really well which is nice um but i've just been trying to get in a lot more hands and just get back into playing a lot more poker because i like it and it's profitable so i kind of slacked off a lot after black friday just kind of being unsure about where you know what what was going to happen next like it would suck to put in a lot of time and build up a bankroll again basically from like a small deposit Only to have it like snatched away again, or to find out that um, I don't know that that I couldn't cash out in a timely manner, and that kind of stressed me out a lot. So all that is you know kind of settled down a little bit. I don't know eventually what will happen to merge. I mean eventually states or federal you know stuff in the United States is going to open up, and then. I don't know, will nobody play on Merge again, or will they go after Merge? Who knows, but for now, it's good. Yep. Is that why you were
0: crying before, because you were so
2: worried? Is that what that was about? Oh, no, that was um, because Tom insulted me.
1: <laughs> With all the money I was throwing at you?
0: <laughs> you big dummy.
2: <laughs> uh no.
0: Jordan feels he's worth more than that money you sent him. He yeah. was insulted by the price you you tried to set.
2: If you want to deposit and then send me more, that'd be excellent. <laughs> Anyways, Tom, aside from uh, gifting me money, what have you been up <laughs> to? Well, aside from
0: sending someone money and just naturally <laughs> expecting that they would re- return that money, um... yeah. Besides creating contracts that don't exist, I've Sorry, I was just filling in the details for you. you <laughs> I appreciate it. That yeah. helped.
1: Um, no, I've just been basically watching the Olympics a lot. Uh, Did you, what that what would you have gotten really... if
0: you had won the bet? What? Oh, sorry. I figured you lost a bet if you are watching the Olympics.
1: Yeah. See, most people in the world uh, actually enjoy the why
2: Olympics. Do you, why do you hate the Olympics, Bryce? Because they suck. They would, no, they don't suck. They're actually the best at what they do. So? The Olympians.
0: The guys on, um, like, Storage Wars are the best at buying stuff from storage lockers. (laughs) Doesn't mean I need to watch them do it.
1: you do not necessarily sure that they are.
0: Who's better at it? You obviously watch Storage Wars. Who's the best at buying stuff in a pawn shop? The guy from Pawn Stars. (laughs) But he doesn't buy Hitler memorabilia except on different shows. (laughs) He bought Hitler memorabilia on a different show? He was showing it all off on uh, Dave Attell's show before he had the show and now he's like oh no we don't touch that stuff we just keep it over here in a glass case <laughs> <laughs> don't touch it's very valuable i
2: didn't, I didn't valuable. know that
0: now you anyways know. i but like anyway so speaking of that is that's why i hate the olympics
2: you hate the olympics
0: <laughs> <laughs> i don't dislike point. it i just don't care and i'm tired of people talking about it
1: well people no, are like
0: yes i love watching people run in a straight line no you don't or you would do it more often uh, not, not necessarily. I think what, so. Do you,
2: you think these people are just going to go out to track meets?
0: Yeah, I'm sure they don't have like a national championship every year. Oh, they do have a national championship every year. Never mind.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, it's when? not that interesting. Every it, year. For
2: me, the it's interesting.
1: Air. Shut up, guys. For me, the <laughs> interesting thing about the Olympics is the pressure involved. Like when you start. Like I don't care, necessarily care about the floor exercise gymnastics like I'm, I'm i noticed gonna...
0: you said necessarily <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> i'm not gonna watch it you know <laughs> any other time ever unless it's the olympics um but it's just the immense amount of pressure on the people not screw up is is interesting it's kind of like people who watch NASCAR to see a wreck
0: do you know why they have so much pressure because people like you are like fine i'm gonna watch them do it if you would just leave them alone and let them compete
2: they'd be much happier I often okay how about this I think that in some ways the Olympics parallels the World Series of Poker in that you get to find out like you know it's it's not necessarily interesting on its own but you get to find out like backstories about people and you know this is like what people dedicate their lives to and then you get these kind of cool backstories and then that makes you feel more invested when you watch it
0: so they trick you into caring so that's what I'm hearing no this, it's something... this guy has been doing nothing but swimming for eight years i'm not like yes i'm like why
2: <laughs> just, just because you don't swim oh my goodness just this because guy... you don't swim like i you know... swim
0: when i need to
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: to, to avoid drowning
0: <laughs> yes
2: that's like the mitch joke it's like am i oh it's no, dimitri where he's like uh am i wearing pants swim for my life am i not wearing pants Swim for fun. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, So
1: anyway, I've been watching that. Um, I find it entertaining, much like 98% of the other people in the world. Um, And not getting much sleep because of it, because it stays on until midnight every night here. I don't know if that's just an East Coast thing. Um,
0: What time does it start there?
1: Like 8 in the morning.
0: (laughs) I just feel like there's enough Olympics on that you could go to bed.
1: Yeah, but they put all Did the good stuff to work? in prime time, like Usain Bolt running the 100 or 200 meters, um, Misty May and Kerry Walsh in their gold medal match. A lot of the good stuff comes on in prime time, and I have to avoid spoilers, uh, but uh, today I, uh, watched the actual, I actually watched the women's soccer match live, uh, so that was nice. That was Spoiler goodness. alert, they won the gold medal.
2: Spoiler alert, Usain Bolt lost. We have a soccer team?
1: Spoiler alert, I just watched Usain Bolt win. So no, he didn't.
2: <laughs> Damn it.
0: <laughs> Spoiler, Spoiler alert, alert, you guys are listeners.
2: <laughs> Alright, I'm glad that this airs like <laughs> not today because this is all going to be news by then. <laughs> Why?
0: Why Are you glad that we're not topical?
2: No. No.
0: In other it, news, you sad. guys can help me out with a, an issue I have.
2: Oh, Just what is this. it, Tom? What is it? <laughs> I was going to guess, but there's so many things it could be. This is going to get me and Bryce back on the same side again. Yes, yes. <laughs> you guys were so divided in the segment coming up. We're divided so, over the Olympics.
0: Yeah, but that's now you. Jordan's on my team. He's turning against you. All um, right, what's your issue, Tom? Yep. So
1: I there's a girl who's in my neighborhood, like a couple streets away, uh, who, when I had a girlfriend, obviously like I noticed that she was attracted, but never ever did anything about it for obvious reasons. Um, because you were afraid. I... <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and now that I'm single, um, I, she actually has two dogs and she was out walking them and I, I was out walking my dog and, and your so I, dog bit her. Yes. Um needless to say, uh the lock jaw is in place and <laughs> hire well, a lawyer.
0: I, is, is that a metaphor?
1: Um <laughs> I hope <laughs> not. Um and so I was just like I was out walking my dog, she's out walking her dog, so I was just like, Oh hey, I kinda like I we had talked briefly in passing before, but I was like, Hey, do you mind if I walk with you? Um I'm really and, lonely. <laughs> And, uh, so weird how I keep telling personal stories and just keep getting blasted. I, I, love I like it. that
0: you Don't began stop. this, you began this with maybe you guys can help me. I really doubt that.
2: <laughs> Go ahead. No, so, going. Keep going. So what is your problem?
1: So here's my issue. Um, we like walked and, uh, that was all cool and everything. And then we became Facebook friends. We started talking on there a little bit. Um, then we started texting a little bit. And uh, eventually today we lined it up so that we could watch the soccer match together. So um, Ooh, she came over. serious. <laughs> she came over uh, with her two beasts because they're Great Danes. Um, and I thought our, that was a metaphor too. Watched the soccer match and then we went out to dinner. Um, just us, not the dog. <laughs> and uh, I thought you meant just you and the dogs. <laughs> and, uh, and then, you know, came back and she walked home. I, I actually drove home because she's literally, you know, only like a street away or whatever. And I was like, Do you want me to drop you off? And I was like, That seems weird. So I just didn't drop her off. <laughs>
0: i think um, that seems weird actually yeah so your problem is dropping her off or not
1: <laughs> no that's very insignificant is uh, the
0: question whether or not she'll listen to the podcast uh
1: she will not listen to this podcast um i call i call <laughs> <laughs> anyway <laughs> the is how do i tell if we're just hanging out as friends <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> or,
0: so here's i could pass her a note during study hall do you think that would help yes i do yes no
2: or maybe check (laughs) one or check check all that apply (laughs) (laughs) so so yeah i don't i mean how about this hang out with her again and if she
0: she watched soccer voluntarily obviously she's not just interested in the tv because that's
2: boring (laughs) unless you're betting on it it's true. <laughs> and then it's boring and confusing. <laughs> Look, <that's great. laughs> that's no All right, to Tom. Me. There comes a time in every man's life. Oh, okay. Yeah. Never mind. Here, how
0: about this? Mention another girl and see how mad she gets. <laughs> <laughs> then you'll know how
1: well, she was feeling. It says, I don't have a girlfriend, but I do know a girl who would be upset about, for me saying that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So I think that this is an excellent avenue to pursue and you should go for it, Tom. That's yep. my advice. What does that mean? Take huh? her take her to a
0: – offer to take her to a nice restaurant, that's
1: did not, to restaurant.
0: Did you buy her dinner?
1: No, I went to pay just naturally and she
2: offered to split it. Oh. That's not a big no. deal. No, I mean you don't think? No, this she could is just see a random dude that she met on the street walking his dog. Yeah. Sounds <laughs> fine. Um, invite her over for whatever the next Olympic thing is that we don't know. No, because that doesn't help. <laughs> sure it does.
0: No, because that's just the same hanging out. We need something different. We need a new thing that we didn't just do and see how she reacts. All right.
2: It comes down to this. Hang out with her more.
0: Boom. I already no, have... It's we already... more complicated than that.
2: It's not more complicated. It
0: is, because then you don't know how you're hanging out, in what context. Hey, can I talk?
1: No. <laughs> uh, no, we already have planned Saturday to uh, go down to Annapolis with our dogs um, and walk around and then possibly go rock climbing. Um, I, I get the feeling,
2: basically, that... I you know, I'm really confused right now, like... <laughs> It sounds like you're doing everything right.
0: But I also could see him totally giving <laughs> off signals that he thinks they're like buddies. I don't know. This... You just said you think this sounds like Tom is doing everything right. I, I know.
2: That's, that's so weird to say. <laughs> like, it feels like icky coming out of my mouth. but I thought we were supposed to be on
0: the same team. Tom I... doesn't know what he's doing. join me that's
2: i agree with that (laughs) i i agree that he doesn't know what he's doing he's inadvertently
0: doing the right things
1: i agree yeah definitely so so my my idea was just kind of like to hang out and then get to know her better and then you know if if it
0: naturally evolves great that's fine if you're fine with waiting to see if it naturally evolves yeah, I mean, I'm fine with that. I'm having There's a- nothing wrong with that, but you just have to realize that now you're just going. Man, I hope she clarifies what's going on. Yeah, that's that's the thing
1: is I don't know if. <laughs> the, yeah, I just don't know what's going on. So, I don't I don't know how to figure out whether or not us hanging out a lot, just one on one, going to dinner and doing various things that you would do with a date, but you would also do with a friend. I don't know how you clarify that line.
0: Yeah. Well, you should try and insist on buying her dinner, and then see if she goes. No, no, no. I don't. I. I, I would rather split it. Or what are you doing, creep? That's not how friends hang out. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Come up with something that isn't obviously crazy. Um, that only dates would do, and then you know, be able to try to do
2: that. Uh, you know. I don't know. All right. When she came over to your house, um, did you take her shoes off? Yes. You're in. No. (laughs) (laughs) If if that's the case, I'm dating
0: like nine people because everyone takes their shoes off at my house because I'm never wearing shoes. And they feel like, oh, he's not wearing shoes. I guess I can't wear shoes. Slut yeah <laughs> you tell. no I'm not it's frustrating because they just keep taking off their shoes and then they put them back on and leave <laughs> mixed messages I, I know love,
1: I love that we all wait with made of breath for this theory of Jordans. <laughs> alright
2: well no that's that's all there is to it you're in you're Sweet. no awesome. that's all if it doesn't work out you can totally blame it on me this guy told me if you took your shoes off I was in and then he stole $127
0: <laughs> when did he tell you this on a, on a podcast do you want to listen and and then you don't know have to, to worry about being in anymore
2: alright so you he... go to the help. No, I appreciate it well sounds good Tom what's been up with you Bryce <laughs> <laughs> such an awkward transition nothing like this at all <laughs> I know
0: I've been watching the Olympics they're really exciting <laughs> see I'm glad you're back on our team Sorry, I just bumped my head. I'm fine now. No, I the Olympics are stupid. I'm sorry. Um, not not other than trying to avoid people talking about the Olympics. When do those end, by the way? Are they almost done? What about the Winter Olympics? Do you like those? I like them more because I like how tidy a sport curling is. They're like, oh, we're making a mess. Let's clean it. You guys are complaining right now. No, We got to sweep it up. <laughs> I like that. I like that.
2: I don't think that's how that works.
0: Are you sure? Yes. I, don't get it. Sure. I think they have like two guys they're like oh you want to play you can hold the brooms yeah you hold the brooms go run after it and sweep
3: <laughs> they,
0: they
2: sweep in front of it they don't clean up after it
0: <laughs> oh you don't want to get that we don't want to get our little tea kettle dirty clean up in front of it
2: that doesn't seem like
0: it. a real thing it just seems like they're like yeah you got to hold the broom if you want to play it's like two guys two, like the little brothers of the two guys that throw it <laughs> You guys are in charge of sweeping. So, yes, I like it better. Okay.
2: I don't know the actual answer to this, but don't they rotate? Or do they have perma-throwers and perma-sweepers?
0: I have no, no idea. It's not relevant
2: to this discussion. <laughs> I will tell you in two years.
0: I'll, I'll Google it before then. <laughs> <You won't. laughs> I'll Google okay. it right
2: Okay.
0: All right. Oh, but I also will tell you in two years. So other than Olympic-related things, um, I went to some concerts. That was really fun. Um, Anything, anybody I know? Um, Soul Asylum, who were big in the 90s. Yeah, they have a song it... called We Three that I really like. There you go. That was in Chasing Amy, I yep. think. Yep. That's why I know it. They were. In, they had a song in Clerks, too, as well. Oh, really? Um, yep. Check I it
1: think out. how do they get the
0: funding to do that? I, I don't know. All right, I'll be googling that. I, I have no idea how the soundtrack budget worked for that, but yeah. So I like, I they're all bands I liked in college. So I saw Soul Asylum, and then another show was Bare Naked Ladies, Blues Traveler, and Big Head Todd and the Monsters. So, I like Blues Traveler. Yeah, they were good. I haven't seen I haven't seen them since their lead singer lost all that weight, so that was a little disorienting. But he's not. Oh, I didn't realize he was skinny. Yeah. he's not skinny but he's all he's not going to die at any moment <laughs> is he less soulful <laughs> no he, he was losing his voice a little bit but even then he still sounded really good so yeah it, it was fun it was a bunch of bands that I haven't seen in a very long time or I've never seen so now it's it's nostalgic nice. I'm at that age where it's like I remember listening to these guys in high school 20 years ago not so
1: quite. is it was it all part of like one thing thing or is it four distinct
0: the the blues traveler bare naked ladies big head todd was all one show like it's a bunch of bands i think that used to play arenas and were a little bigger and now can play arenas again because they have more people who are coming to see them so but i mean it was all good the the sets were a little short and then soul asylum was just coming through and i i've liked them since college and i have never seen them so it was fun the opening acts were less good, but they were good. Cool. Um, but yeah, that's all. I don't. I feel like I should have more things to complain about, but I don't. I think you've complained enough. Yeah. I have. A, <laughs> I, have I have a problem that I need you guys to solve. That's not. It's a sentence I've never said in this podcast. I will say again. <laughs> <laughs> um, is there anything else anyone would like to talk about before we hug the rail with TJ? Nothing at all. Nothing.
2: All right. Tom, um, make better life decisions.
0: <laughs> I'm trying, and you guys aren't helping.
2: Yes, no, we, are. we are helping. We are.
0: We're trying to help. You're not letting us cuz you're not listening. Do you have a motorcycle yet? No. Are yep, you going to get one? Helping?
1: I am leaning towards no now.
2: There, see? That was us. <laughs> that was us. Credit. You said that. I agree. Said... Like if if we hadn't told if we hadn't talked you out of this, who would have? Uh, besides everybody else who would have the dealer Besides
0: Did the dealership (laughs) talk you out of it? Did you go down there? And the was like, no, you're way too nerdy. You can't have one. Get out of here, Nit. We don't allow your type here. (laughs) That's like the real. Yeah, we'll be right back with Teddy Jalapeno. All right, we're back with TJ for another exciting installment of Hugging the Rail. TJ, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm great. How's everybody else?
2: Wonderful.
3: Oh, I thought it was just us two. <laughs> I'm so Wait,
2: disappointed Wait,
3: Hey. Hi, Tom. How are you?
1: I am almost okay.
3: Long time to no talk to.
1: How, how are you?
3: I'm great. Um, I joined a dating website. Nice. No, it's not true.
1: Damn it! <laughs> I was gonna say your girlfriend's gonna be upset about that. <laughs> it's <gonna take sighs> a weird time to join a dating website.
0: <laughs> you know what else is a weird time to do this conversation during hugging the rail? <laughs> what room are we doing this week?
3: I played the wind this week. Um, yes. By a recommendation of Jordan, numerous, numerous times. Yes. He's been begging me to play it. Don't do everything just because Jordan
0: says it. I
1: don't. I saw the girl from the Big Bang Theory at the win.
3: That's good, bro. (laughs) (laughs) How was her coffee?
0: (laughs) Nice, TJ, turn it
2: around.
0: (laughs) Jordan is coaching, hugging the rail. Anyway, how was the coffee? I didn't have any coffee. How was the green tea? I didn't have any green tea. I did play poker, I was your Arnold Palmer.
3: (laughs) Nope. <laughs> how, was, how was Poker? Poker was good. Did you good. play poker? I did. I played the one three uh no limit five hundred max buy in at the win. Uh it was uh it was it was a pretty nice game. There was actually um more two five tables running than one three, which uh is pretty rare. I've ne- I don't think I've actually seen that before. There's like five or six uh uh two five tables and only two one three tables going um it was early sunday afternoon Uh, i don't know if that means anything for how busy certain games are but i thought it was weird that there was more higher games running did you say anything to the people there hey you guys are freaks what are you doing (laughs) i actually thought it was pretty awesome did they high five ten or higher they had an interest for a 510 list um, and I think by the time I left, there was one 5-2 going. By the time I left, um, I got there maybe around one thirty. I left around uh, 6. By the time I left at 6, the room was really full. Um, it's about 25 tables. When I got there, there was just the 1-3 games going and the 2-5 games going. Uh, by the end, there was one... Omaha high low game going and one five ten and a bunch of one three and two five tables. I'd say there was probably sixteen tables full by the time I left early how evening. Many,
0: and how many total tables in the room?
3: About twenty five.
0: It's not bad.
3: Um there was one one tournament had just started. I think they only got two tables for their late I guess it was the late afternoon tournament. Um I don't I think the buy-in's like one twenty five. I, don't, I, I could be wrong on that but they, it didn't it wasn't a big turnout um, for the daily
1: what's the rake uh, structure
3: um, it's 10 percent up to four dollars uh, there's no jackpot drop nice uh, so yeah so it's a <clears throat> it's a good rake um, Most of the big rooms um, that's pretty standard for the biggest rooms the, the Wynn, aria uh, Venetian Bellagio I think they're all four plus zero.
1: But are they all 500
3: max? Um, I think – well, Aria is a 1-3 game. Win is a 1-3 game, and then um, the other two big rooms are 1-2 games. Um, so, yeah, but the win's a 1-3, 500 max. So I don't remember what the maxes are at the other places.
1: Okay, but it sounds like it's a pretty good
3: room. Um, it's a good room. It's really nice. Everything's really new, uh, really modern, new tables, new chairs, uh, new TVs, uh, a lot of TVs if you're – Tom and we- like watching TV while you play poker. That would be good for nice. Tom. Um, the one thing I didn't like is if you've been to the wind before when you come out of – it's really close to the self-parking, which is nice, but it's like right when you walk out of the self-parking and it's right down one of the main – Hallways uh, where a lot of the shops are at, so there's a lot of traffic, a lot of noise. Um, it's not really, it's not really like a secluded poker room like s- some of the rooms I enjoy. So that that kind of sucked. The table I was at was actually right on the rail, so there was a lot, a lot of action like right in my eyesight, which is kind of annoying.
1: So not Did as good as an environment as Hera's, but better structure and everything.
3: Uh, better structure, better room. It looks like a lot more action, a lot more people with a lot more money. Um, oh, the tables don't have cup holders, which drives me crazy. That is crazy. It's one of the things I don't like. No cup holders sucks. That's, is that why crazy. you didn't order –
0: that's why you didn't get a coffee or a tea?
3: Yes. That's exactly why. I don't. Did you get a, you get a water? I did actually.
0: Well, then that doesn't work.
3: No, there's a cap <laughs>
0: on the water. There's no cap on the coffee. There was a cap on the game, too. What does that say? Cap on your joke. Cap on the segment?
3: Do you have, do you have a hand to talk there, about? Did you I do. Play? But um, let me finish my review first, Bryce. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Goodness. <laughs> um, well, it is a nine-handed game, which is nice. A lot of the the Vegas rooms um, are ten-handed, ten max. So one less is, is good. Um,
0: it's trending towards heads up. A little bit. <laughs> I'm surprised
1: people play. Like what is this crap? Nine handed. I'm Especially sitting out. Can we get ten handed?
3: Um it was actually when I got there early, it was actually one of the nittiest games I've played in a long time. Uh it was a lot of there was I mean, there's there's rarely a lot of raising, but I mean there was like virtually no pre flop raising for the first maybe hour and a half. Which is it was really, really nitty. Um you steal everybody's blinds? yeah that stole some some limp pots and whatnot um, the early all the old guys there was only two that were in for five hundred um a few guys were were somewhat shallow by the end of the day when the room started filling up uh got a lot of people buying in for for more for three four hundred bucks. Can I ask if you have a hand now? um I do have a pretty interesting hand actually um I didn't ask if you like, did, I just said could I ask? You can ask. Hey, do you have a hand? I do have a hand. <laughs> I've a very interesting hand. Um Jordan, don't spoil it when I start telling it because you already heard it. But um uh late in the session, um uh, probably probably the biggest maniac I've played with in a long time sat down right on my right. Uh he bought in for uh for the full 500 and after about three orbits, he he probably played played ninety five percent of his hands and, and raised ninety percent of them. He was raising virtually every hand. I think the only time he limped was maybe once on the button and once to complete the small blind. Um,
1: it does make sense to only limp on the button?
3: Hey, yep. I don't know. He he optimal optimal. He's for, a maniac. Don't try. No, and... he he so he he, he um. He was raising virtually every hand and he was, he was, I mean, stabbing every every flop, regardless of what the board was, how many people were in. Um, we did have a couple hands, previous one where um, I three-bet him pre-flop and basically he, like, overbet huge, like, 350 into like 150. Um, into me on the river. I basically had the nuts and then he made this sim, a similar bet. Uh, maybe, maybe one orbit later. Yeah. I basically had the nuts. So good, yeah, good cool. call. <laughs> Thanks. Um, and then he made the same play that like a huge over bet, maybe like 200 into like 60 bucks against, um, like an older guy and got him to fold. So, um, a hand went down after that, where, uh it limped around, he completed the small blind. Um it was about seven ways. And um I checked my option with uh with Jack Eight offsuit. A flop came uh eight five four with two clubs. I had the jack clubs in my hand. And uh he let out four there was there was uh, six players in the pot, I believe, so eighteen F Rake, fifteen. He let out for about eight dollars. <throat> And, um, I had top pair with the Jack and like I said, he'd been, he'd bet every flop, literally every flop he'd seen. So, um, I made it 25, um, knowing that he's stabbing with basically everything, um, fold around to him and he called the turn was the nine of clubs. Um, it went check, check. And the river was the four of diamonds pairing the board. Uh, so the final board was eight five four nine four uh, with three clubs, and he led into me for one hundred and forty-five dollars into a, a roughly sixty-dollar pot. Standard. So,
4: what do you guys <laughs> think wh-
3: the play when,
1: is? when he when he led into you earlier when you had basically the nuts? Was it just air?
3: Um, he actually didn't show his hand, but he had one, – one read I forgot to mention is he had folded uh, to post-flop progression before um, after he had taken steps at the pot. So he had shown that he could fold to post-flop progression. He folded to one of my raises on the turn, and he folded to another, um, another old guy's raises on the flop. So the two times he had faced a flop – uh, a flop or turn raise he'd folded before and he called mine on the, uh, on the flop so I figured he wasn't calling with pure air just to bluff. How quickly did he did he call the flop? Um, fairly quick. I mean, he asked for, he asked for a count. I mean, it was obvious it was, it was five red chips but he still asked and then called, he didn't snap call but he asked for the count and once he knew he called. Um, and he'd, when the nine clubs came, he didn't snap check, but he didn't take too long. Um, and then when the four paired, he he bet fairly quickly. Um, it wasn't a snap bet, but it was, it was pretty quick. I have a second pair with a not very great kicker.
1: I mean, it seems like a, a spot pretty... where you can find a better spot to get the money in since right. he's going to be so aggro that he's just bluffing off chips. There's no need to take a chance with a, a pretty much a, a lower part of your range in this spot. Right.
3: Um, the things I was thinking is he's, he, I mean, like I said, he'd basically handed me about four hundred four hundred fifty $450 in one hand and then, uh. I mean, he seemed—it seemed pretty evident that he was going to give away pretty big chunks of money, um, pretty quick. So, you want one get of the it, things I was while going you can. to get it while you can, yeah, yeah. That's one of the things that went through my head. I could appreciate that, but I mean, and
1: it's one of those things where I don't think a call is bad. Um, his his range includes so much air and and craziness that. Yeah, he's going to have a good hand or a better hand than you some of the time, but probably not enough of the time to make a call bad. Um, but it's just one of those situations where I probably make the bad play of of just saying, I'll, I'll wait for a slightly better spot.
2: Yeah. Uh, See, Jordan, earlier, yes, Jordan? Do you think that his overbet was a polarizing bet, or do you think that he could do that with something like a 9x hand? Well, I did when this hand went down, I didn't have this information. So
3: it wasn't something I could draw on during the hand, but later in the, um, later in this session, he did make that same, take that same line. The, I I don't remember if it was a, I think it was a bet. no, it was a check call, check call, um, over bet river with, um, with bottom two pair on a, on a somewhat scary board. Um, so I, I, I mean he could make a play like that with I mean he made a bottom two pair with the which was a very non nutty hand.
2: It's still two pair though, two pairs yeah. hard to make. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. two pairs
3: hard to make, but I, I mean I don't, the one but, time he did show it have to show down it was a, it was bottom two.
1: I mean, I think we assume did
3: it's a polarizing flop, bet. Did he flop bottom two though? Um he did and he yeah, bet So 100%. see he had he had so he flopped two a month pair and he slow played it. Yeah, exactly.
0: Right.
1: Yeah, yeah I think perfect, the, I, mean, I, I think we could I've, assume that it's a polarizing bet without
3: knowing differently yeah. i I think he played it like he he thinks he has a monster that's i mean that that's kind of what was going through my head and I was I mean it was one of those spots where it's like, oh, he's a maniac I should call I mean, but I slowed down and kind of i mean maniacs make hands too.
0: I mean, yeah. especially especially if he bets the river kind of quickly. Like, when the board pairs, it seems if people have two pair, they have to figure out, do they still have two pair? Like, that tends to slow people down a little bit.
3: And I think we, I mean, like, even though he's a, uh, a maniac, I mean, we do have to, after we've seen him fold to post-flop progression, we do have to narrow his range somewhat on the flop when he calls our, our raise. Right, and if he's a maniac and he continues, he just calls and then, you know,
0: checks. I don't, it just doesn't seem like the kind of, Thing you'd see out of a maniac if they were trying to move you off of something. He right. seems pretty content. Right. Yeah. You I guys mean, are
2: such nuts.
3: Uh, that's yeah. I mean, earlier when I talked about Talon Jordan, he thought he he said he he might might make the call there. Did you? Uh, that's so call? what I'm saying. I,
1: think, I That's what I said. I think the. I think a call there is probably plus EV, but it's probably not a play I'd make.
0: So. Yeah. <laughs> So you I, get money. I don't. I don't know that it's plus EV. <laughs> um.
2: To be fair, when you told me about the hand before, I didn't know that the flesh had come. I thought there were only two.
1: I think it's a pretty big part of the hand. Yeah.
2: Well, this shows how much I pay attention. Um, but sure. still, but did you make still, the call?
3: Um. I did not make the call. I folded. knit nah. Did he show? No, no of course not. So <laughs> Was he
0: happy? Yeah. What's your and read on how he reacted to you folding?
3: Two. He didn't – I mean, I didn't get the – I didn't get a bluffy vibe after I folded. I didn't yeah. get like a look out of the corner of his eye like, you idiot, or anything like that. No, I don't <laughs> – I don't think – I just Tom don't see how he's value
0: betting worse there. <laughs> yeah. Jordan mm. thinks that we're such nits, What do you think that he – before the fl- you knew the flush came in, what did you think he had that we were going to beat?
2: Beat – I mean, this is well, the way that TJ described this to me was that this was this guy's move is that he would bet, flop, bet, turn, and overbet, river every hand that he was in that he Cause had that, raised pre Because that's which, almost exactly how this hand went down. He compl- <laughs> almost. small blind, almost bet,
0: bet, called, checked. Yeah, that's basically <laughs> the same thing. It isn't, you're right. Then
2: he said that when he took passive lines of check, calling, check, calling, is that he would overbet, donk the river.
3: Yeah, I so... mean he
2: he he overbet the river. I mean
3: overbet the river a lot. Um, I mean up to that point, I, like I said, it had, it had happened twice. I mean, but by the end of the session, probably been a good seven or eight times that he he made that play.
0: Did TJ mention to you that he raised the flop? Yeah, of course. Just checking. I don't <laughs> seem to be paying attention.
2: No, it makes like a. It definitely makes a difference in that it's not the exact same thing, but you can tell that this guy's mo is to. You know, just be super aggressive in these type of situations where he found out, like, you know, if I just go all in on the river, people fold a lot. And so that's what he falls in love with doing. No um, do you think there's any um, anything to be said about the fact
3: that I snapped off one of his huge bets and took a huge chunk of money from him and he, he has it out for me a little bit at that point?
0: There's something to be said for it. I don't think it's enough that I would... Really consider calling. I mean, my
1: or... biggest thing is that you can make, you can very easily make easier money
2: against this guy. Right, Tom. Money is money. I'm, I'm if going it's even plus EV. It's plus EV,
0: and you know. See, I argue, I argue that it's not plus EV. I just don't. I don't think he. I just like like Bryce is getting ready to say. I just don't think we have
1: enough information to assume it is plus EV. That's yeah. why because he that's makes fine. this move in certain lines and does overbet a lot. Doesn't mean he's necessarily going to take this line and overbet in this situation and have enough air to make it plus EV.
2: That's fine. I, I agree with that. But you're you're saying like, oh, it's probably plus EV, but I wouldn't yeah. do it. That's just you being a nit. That's well, true. yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I I,
3: agree I, I didn't fold because. Um, Thompson, I I thought it was I thought I didn't think it was it was a plus EV spot. I mean the the overriding factor for me was that the fact that I had seen him fold to post flop aggression and um I mean what what do I what do I I mean I beat pure air. I don't think I mean the only thing he could be really turning into a bluff is is a five. I mean I don't think he's turning he's,
0: I don't think he's I don't think he's turning a hand into a bluff. I think the the hands that we beat are him value betting worse. He right. genuinely. I don't think it's a bluff if he's betting a five. I think he just has a five and he's betting. Yeah, I what mean,
2: about the, what about the gut shots that miss?
0: Yeah, I mean, th- there are the gut shots that miss, but I mean, I don't think he fires that quickly on the river if the gut shots miss.
2: Well, if TJ checks checks back the turn and then he's like, okay, he doesn't have anything. Boom, easy, bluff him off. Lockbox. I, <laughs>
0: I don't think I don't think a maniac bet calls the flop with a gut shot and then bl- and then bless the river. Well, he probably but, wasn't
2: planning to, but then TJ checked back the turn and then he's like, "Oh, well, I didn't get there." Would, have... would you have bet would you have bet the turn? With your hand? Yes. Possibly. No, you with... have a you have a club too? I have the jack clubs. And you have was now second pair but flop top pair. I might have bet against this guy. Yeah,
0: yeah, I think I think I would have bet against this guy too.
2: On the turn, you think you'd bet? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I yeah. might have been Trying to
1: get Watch to showdown. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: would you have noticed? The, would you have noticed range. the turn came out? <laughs> well, I mean, um,
3: I, I thought. I mean, I thought the there, there's a chance you could have clubs. I mean, if I guess it, if I do bet the turn, it's a very easy. Bet well, that's fold. what I'm
1: saying. It, it, yeah, but I don't think it's an easy bet. Fold. This is why. I don't know. It makes me scared to
2: bet. <laughs> Uh, that's kind of true, you know. Like depending on how deep you guys are, if you if you're both, um, what is it, 170? I mean, he had just, big he had
3: just rebought for, um, for the full 500. So, 166.6.
2: Yeah, I might be a little bit scared to uh, <laughs> to bet fold against this guy. Yeah, I'm basically trying to get deeper. to showdown
1: with showdown at equity here, and hope he doesn't do his crazy overbet move. And if he does, then I'm in a position where I have to decide.
2: Well, yeah, you, I mean, you almost do hope that he would do it because that's when he's going to be bluffing. If he's oh, no, it. I agree, oh. but,
1: it, I mean, it just depends on how the line goes, which is why I think this is a fold. So.
0: Well, I think for clarity, next time, TJ, if you're in a hand like this and you're thinking we're going to talk about it later, just call.
2: Exactly. Oh, okay, <laughs> all right, that's... That's we'll why that I told him, you know, just any any time that you play against like a maniac where you aren't really sure of what his range is, if you know that he's crazy and that he has as wide of a range, you know, at least in similar situations, it might not be the exact situation. But a dude playing 95, ninety five um, ninety, you know, he's going to have a lot of stuff that you're probably not used to doing your regular hand reading on. So yeah, I I, think
0: mean, I was only saying to call because I wanted to know what happened. I'm not actually advocating it. Apparently, Jordan is. <laughs> I'm just saying
2: it's only money. No,
0: like, to, to, it's a follow with.
1: So uh, Jordan's point. I, it's a situation where I'm just naturally a knit in. And,
0: and what side I'm, are you on? You, st- you just agreed with me. And then Jordan immediately after that, <laughs> he's watching basketball.
1: At, he's very confused. At least,
0: at least he admitted that he's a knit.
1: <laughs> no, no, but I, I am That's a nit the first and, step. And, um, so then I, I, and I also suffer from the monsters under the bed syndrome and have been working on that. Um, do you fold but, flop straights in tournaments? No, he sleeps the lights on. <laughs> I do fold flop straights correctly in tournaments. Second mm-hmm. nut straights. I'm um, sure. Is that fold. in triple draw? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> it's in a last longer with TJ. Um, wow, and, you are in it. <laughs> no, anyway, but it, it's a situation where I think I, I have to go against my natural tendencies and look to make certain plays like calling here more often. Not saying in this specific instance, but like I said at the beginning, I think it's a a spot where he's going to have a lot more air in his range than I initially expect just because of his natural maniacal nature.
2: Yep. Yep. (laughs) It's only money, TJ. So Jordan will reimburse you if you're wrong. Okay. And then you reimburse me if if I'm
0: right. No, you get the money if he's right. Exactly. Yeah.
3: you it's, get It's a staking deal. You get half the profit. Yeah. That sounds and then fair.
2: you take half the losses, if I'm no, wrong? No, 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 no. If no, no, you, re-
3: you reimburse the whole thing.
0: Yeah. If you're wrong, you he would have folded, so you owe him the money to make him whole. If you're right, you're getting a cut of money that you wouldn't have had otherwise, so that's a pretty sweet deal. Where'd you get the staking deal out of, rounders? <laughs> no. So that's totally a standard staking deal. That's the wrong Teddy. He's not Teddy Jalapeno. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you're embracing that name. And by embracing, I mean let's hug it out so we can get the segment over with. All right, All right nice. let's hug
3: it out.
2: Hey guys, and we're back with Scott Bell here. How you doing, Scott? Hi. Hey Scott, um, can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you just got started with the project itself?
5: The thing with me in this case is, I every time I kind of think about this, and I'm obviously with the release of this new, this new teaser trailer and the the Kickstarter page, I'm thinking about it more and more. You know, I'm kind of unique in my positioning to be able to do this. Uh, I have a back in network engineering. I have a background in digital video. And I was playing online poker back in 96 when it was like IRC and you had to type in P, you know, raise 20. And that was how you actually, you know, wow. <laughs> it, was, it was all text-based and everything. And so, you know, I I, I had a lot of sort of background and, and I did play on Ultimate Bet though. I was a tourney player back then. And uh, I always sort of just didn't really like the room I didn't, I just felt like there was just n- something wasn't right about it and I, I didn't think that this was what was wrong with it but I, I just always felt there wasn't something right. Mm-hmm. I played on virtually all the rooms that were available through from planet right on up so I had sort of you know pretty decent comparison you know background and and then you know when the thing blew up um, I was really fascinated with the crowdsourcing effort. It was required to really find the answers because, a, there was no fourth estate, there was no real legitimate media that was going to cover it. The the poker media was too conflicted. The real media didn't understand the case. Uh, there was no you know judicial entity that was going to come in and do anything about it. That's like you know you're throwing dice on the corner and the you know the guy who's holding the game decides to rip you off. You're not going to go grab the cop and say hey, the guy owes me ten bucks. It, cops can just tell you to go away. So the the, the forums, you know, really sleuthing all the stuff out was really fascinating. It was really and and it was very accurate in a lot of ways. So I thought it was really cool. And having been in, involved with the internet for a long time, I, I just it really kind of got to me. At the same time, um, and and this is really the only serious part about it for me is that. I had a, a successful computer company at that point building video production equipment and uh, we had done just, you know, phenomenally for our first six years and we hit a perfect storm of events and it just, uh, the company was crushed, I had to let all my employees go, ended up about a half a million dollars in debt and then I banked the tournament on a party uh, where I, you know, I thought maybe this thing with poker might be able to help me resurrect my business. So, I actually made quite a bit of money playing tournaments. But I later realized I made a mistake that I ended up putting all that money back trying to save my company, which didn't work anyway. And ultimately, I ended up having really neither to show for it when it was all said and done. So by the time the the,
1: uh, opposite of the Gila Liberté approach,
5: exactly, exactly. (laughs) Uh, So so what had happened just I'll try and keep it short. But what had happened was I had a lot of time on my hands at that point really just had a lot of sort of interest in this. So I just really dug into it and, um, you know, the rest is kind of history from there.
2: So you started the the Kickstarter, but you had already, you know, kind of, you had some, all the base. When did it really turn into like an idea to do a documentary about it?
5: Well, for one thing, I'm, I'm really just kind of crazy about movies. I've, you know, I'm, I just, you know, people have always kind of given me grief because you know I'll watch a, if I if I like a movie I'll watch it ten fifteen times over the course of you know my life. So, so I've always kind of had that thing going on, and then I had the digital video background that stretches way back, and then I had this case, and I thought about writing a book. I really thought I wanted to be a writer, and and it never even occurred to me that an idea would be to actually make a film out of it, and then at the tail end of last year we just kind of started kicking around the idea and, and I said you know the only problem with it was is and this is what I don't want I guess I got to be real careful here because I want to come off the right way when I talk like about this stuff especially to poker players I just didn't think there was any way whatsoever uh that we would ever get anybody to bankroll a film no matter how cheap we could get it done you know Typically, to make a movie, you're gonna typically going to tell you somewhere between two hundred thousand and two hundred million, with the floor being closer to you know that two hundred thousand, obviously. I thought I could actually make the movie for under fifty thousand dollars, but I still said to myself, "Who in their right mind in the poker community is going to give us fifty thousand dollars to make a movie?" So you'd be surprised at how many
1: bad investments there are in the poker community.
5: <laughs> well, I'm not surprised now, actually. I think actually you. <laughs> that's one of the things that's kind of come to me since I started doing this is I have learned about a lot of that stuff.
1: I've been that, staked in the World Series the past two years, so that's all you need to know. <laughs>
5: <laughs> so so exactly, and and, and and oddly enough, we did find funding for this, and, and the funding actually even in and of itself was kind of conflicted in that uh, what happened was is I ended up, Talking to Brad Booth, who I had become friends with after his on-air uh, Domtown interview from 2011, and he just hooked me up with people that had money to throw. And I went over and talked to him, gave a PowerPoint presentation, and next thing I know, we're off and running. Do you have his number? <laughs>
1: <laughs> that may be another way to, rent, to raise I would, funds. I would like to meet people who have money to throw as well. <laughs>
5: Well, that's just kind of, the, of that's kind of the thing you learn when you start meeting some of the higher stakes players is that there are a lot of these people floating around who are willing to invest in things but it's you know if you don't know them or if you don't have that soft handshake we were fortunate i, I none of the guys that are invested in the project or put money in down in the beginning i think were cheated on ultimate bet so i mean they really you know they really just sort of bought into the idea and It's a good idea, and definitely for the dollars, you know, it stands a pretty, a pretty solid chance of at least making back the investment. I don't know whether it's going to be profitable. It's not really why I'm doing the movie, so we'll have to see.
1: Yeah, I think I read in Doyle's book that he's pretty famous for making a ton of bad investments. So I I think uh, poker players are more than willing to just give things a shot if they really believe in it, whether it's, you know, like you said, whether it's not necessarily about a profit, but if they believe in something and wanted to to see it done, then they're willing to invest.
5: Sometimes you got to roll a hard six.
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So how did you end up deciding to go to Kickstarter to raise the rest of the money? Is that just because you wanted to have more people invested in it or is it just, you thought that was a better distribution model or what was the thought process there?
5: Well, um, originally i didn't expect we were going to have to i i I built a fairly tight budget but i also built it in such a way that i thought that i could i could bring it in and and then of course you know the enemy always gets a vote in any plan and and the plan you know ran into us when we went out and did the shoots you know part of the problem when you go out and you try and schedule imagine what it's like trying to schedule a bunch of poker players to come and show up for an appointment and when all of your interviews are people that play poker you're gonna have a few missed appointments, and we did. And you're gonna have some people that, that don't make it. We we went over budget, stretching some of our trips and stuff. And you know, bottom line was I knew we were not going to make it on the budget we had. So I started looking at alternatives, and crowd crowdfunding made a lot of sense since the investigation was crowdsourced. And why Kickstarter? I'm not really totally sure. I just really kind of I think I kind of like the idea of having a goal that if you don't reach it, you don't get funded. Where some of the other ones, Indiegogo, and a few of the other ones actually will just give you whatever you reach, whatever you make. Uh, here, I think this actually puts a little pressure on the poker community because, you know, if we don't get funded on this, I'm still going to make a movie. I mean, it, it may not, it won't be the movie I want to make. I'll still finish it. But if we don't get funded, that's really going to be a big statement, I think. I, I think it is. And, and maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe I'm putting too much pressure on ourselves for it. But... But if I can't convince a bunch of poker players the importance of this kind of a story to the community, then that's probably my fault. And and it's also probably
3: a
2: pretty big statement. I, I think that it's good to, to get kind of the, the Kickstarter thing going as well because it kind of just reaches out to more people, you know, makes people aware that something is actually going to happen. Like before, I mean – before I saw this, I wasn't sure, you know, what was going to happen if anybody was going to do something like this and definitely brings attention to it. Um, if you can, for our listeners who haven't seen the trailer, can you just go a little bit into kind of what the film is going to be about? So we had to make a decision right out of the gate.
5: Um, everybody knows the ultimate bet and absolute poker ended up coming together in, in a complicated merger. So our first major decision was, were we going to do the full story from start to finish and cover both companies in the end? And I just made a decision not to, to to set aside the absolute poker side of the house. And and maybe we'll revisit that in the future. Maybe we'll do some extra kind of a thing. I don't know. But, but what I do know is that the ultimate bet side of things is really where the, the evil stems from. And it's really the more interesting story and it really goes back. So what our what our film is going to do is it's going to go back to the very beginnings of Ultimate Bet, which were essentially uh, Russ Hamilton, Phil Helmuth running around Binions trying to sell shares of a company called IE Logic, uh, which uh, they had hooked up with some technologists up in the Northwest, and uh, they wanted to start this company to offer online poker. They thought it was going to be something something big, and I have to take my hat off because this was 1999 and. You know, in 1999, it wasn't really the case, you know, that people knew what was coming in terms of online uh, poker. And so, you know, we're going to follow through that that sort of beginning years of of Ultimate Bet and the poker boom taking off. And then we'll cover the corporate strategy. But then, of course, what we know now in hindsight is is that they were cheating almost from day one uh, against their player base. So... We'll sort of get into the investigation of how the Absolute Poker guys, you know, caused uh, people to sort of take another look at the rigged theories, you know. We're not necessarily riggedards now for thinking that there might be something <laughs> wrong. The 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 investigation opened up, so we're going to cover all that. The, the big take-home is that it's kind of a dual sort of story. We're going to cover all the company machinations, which were all pretty interesting. Uh, but then we're also going to cover sort of all of the people and the rationales and the, the 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 results of you know cheating people at the same time you have a license to grant money
2: yeah i mean that's kind of the the most baffling part to me is you know how does that how does that work its way in it's just, it just seems like so much to risk for so little to gain yeah, I mean, that's
1: always been the argument against PokerStars cheating. It's like they make money hand over fist over there. Why would they even take that chance?
5: So we'll cover that. I guess I'm, I'm going to tease a little bit here and not really <laughs> deep into it. Fair, Fair enough. enough. We're going to go heavy into that. Uh, for one thing, I mean, if you look at PokerStars versus this company, you know, first of all, PokerStars was a lot more closely held. So you didn't get the sense that there were probably that many people trying to you know, sort of steer the ship. Whereas an ultimate bet, you know, they had four or five, uh, well-known note school poker players that were, you know, founding uh, members. They had, uh, three or four people up in the Northwest that were founders. And then they had to add some more people because they had to buy a programming company. And so by the time you were done, you know, they had like 10 or 12 people that were fairly high up with positions of authority. And, you know, you can just kind of see that there probably was a lot of competing interests, you know, and and then you've got a personality like Russ Hamilton in there and, you know, some of the other personalities. It's just, you can kind of see how it goes awry. Very clear reasons, though, why they ended up doing it, and some of them have to do with the company stuff. We reported, uh, I had my blog, that some of it was in aid of really pushing so that they would have a, a, a rock IPO when their IPO came out. Uh, but there are other more important reasons why they did it, and there are reasons that really didn't exist for Poker Stars that, that that were out there. In the end, it still didn't. It wasn't a good thing to do. Clearly, it was obviously against their best interests and probably cost them money in the end. But you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah.
2: Um. Do you also kind of go into like? I know that. Phil Homie has left Ultimate Bet. Um, do you kind of cover that stuff as well? Like how much he was involved, um, is accountable for after he left? So I don't
5: uh, I don't totally disagree with somebody like uh, Daniel Negroni when he says that you know Phil is such a self absorbed individual that it's possible that he went along here not knowing an awful lot about the machinations behind the cheat. I mean, I don't I don't really disagree with that i i think that in 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 putting somebody like phil at the top of your team having him as a founding investing member um it's good to have somebody like that with plausible deniability it's really possible for russ hamilton to just pat him on the back and say uh don't ask me and i won't tell you any lies you know that way Mm -hmm. if anything ever happens you don't have to worry about having to you know explain the unexplainable uh, but don't worry, you can just keep cashing the checks. We do have to cover his exit, obviously, from the brand. And I think that um, that was always an interesting one for me because, to me, um, I don't really see how you call it anything else other than a firing. But, um, obviously, people in the business world, you know, him especially, would, would I think they called it a, a mutual decision that was in the best interest of both of them. Uh, what it happened was is the absolute... Uh, side of the house and the ultimate bed side of the house had engaged in a about a year and a half long feud between 2010 and 2011 and the AP guys finally apparently won that feud but it was sort of a I guess you call it an inherit the win kind of situation because they walked away with you know both brands and the company pretty much cratered right after that you know and then of course Black Friday but uh, the that part we will definitely cover. And also Annie left the brand the same day. So, or the same week. So we'll
0: cover her there too. But I'm sure that was just a coincidence. Yeah. Yeah.
5: Well, that's what they (laughs) want. Actually, Phil said that he said that in an article, he said it was, she had, he had been planning it for three months and then she just made the decision, I guess was what he said. Something like that.
2: Yeah. Wow. Um, what do you, what about, uh, after black Friday, do you have anything in the documentary? Um, at that point, or is it that just part of the absolute stuff that you weren't gonna dig into as much
5: that that really does go there. I mean, I have been kind of involved in that. I was the the guy that wrote uh uh that subject poker article that got the numbers of five and fifty five million dollars as far as how much they had on hand and how much the the balances were. I still as day don't know if those are legitimate numbers, but they came directly from a guy who was in a position to know very clearly so you know I feel comfortable and obviously we published the numbers but mm. um I just I, I just think that Black Friday really is going to take a little while to to sort of I think it has to I think we have to do a little perspective on it we're, we're probably still a little too close to really to really dig in and and understand the full thing of what happened with Black Friday and 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 all of this stuff there's going to have to be a lot of investigation of you know, how did full tilt run off with all that money? How how did these guys run off with all the money? Some of it's already been done, but there's still more in the investigation that's gotta be done.
2: Do you think that there's any hope for anybody with money on on that side still?
5: You know, I actually just changed my opinion about that recently. I've I've been the most skeptical person from almost the beginning. I when they started the threat on two plus two, I was uh, I was kinda like the gadfly because you know people were in there one timing and I was in there you know you're gonna take it from behind and you know they all hated me because of it and and, you know recently the stuff that's been happening with you know the DOJ it really doesn't seem to me to be in this a lot of people like you know if you read like Reason magazine the libertarian guys you know they they really believe that asset forfeiture has become this you know very nasty law enforcement tactic to buttress budgets that you know are getting cut left and right and you know, you could have made the case that that was what this was—a a giant money grab, but well, it doesn't look like it. You know, not now. I mean, it, it does look like the DOJ's kind of done what they, everything they could to make players fall in the other case. So, you know, if they sell off the assets here, who knows? There may be some money.
0: Do you think it's likely that Ultimate Bet and Absolute have good records about who is owed what? I would just—they don't seem to be as. I don't know. I don't. As much as Full Tilt went awry, it seemed like they weren't cooking the books in the same way that I would be skeptical that Ultimate Bet lost things. Yeah,
5: I think I think that's a pretty that's a pretty good point because if if the remission or restoration process or whatever they end up going through in the end once they get some some hard assets in hand ends up relying on their records, you know, they let the room run for some time after black friday mm-hmm. and you know they had casino so that you know you could you could log in and read random stories of some guy you know saying screw it i'm not getting my money back and taking it in and dusting it off on the blackjack tables and, you know sort of saying to himself it's all funny money anyway it's play money anyway so you know um if, if players don't have good records of their own i don't know that could that could be a sticking point with with the ap side of the house
2: absolutely Definitely. Um, um, Let's see here. I I was going to ask you um, a little bit before kind of just about like, if you'll cover um, Prahlad at all, you know, in the movie, him going from being one of the ones that was cheated of probably almost the most money out of everyone to end up being a spokesperson for them.
5: Yeah, I have I've tried to reach out to Pralad several times and and without any success up to now. And I hope that changes before we we can the movie. But uh, um, I think he's a really interesting you know dude. I I I think that I don't share a lot of the same the same biases that I run into a lot on the forums. You know, like, mm-hmm. like I don't see him as evil, for instance. Um, I think he kind of put his head down and just took the money and just said, you know what. If you had sat in those games and, and blew through all those buy-ins and so forth, and then they came back and said, we're going to give you your money back, you'd probably take it too, you know. And mm-hmm. so I, I don't really have a lot of problem with that, and this whole thing that he's, you know, the he's the occupy poster boy and should have never, you know, signed up with a, the evil, you know, empire, I, you know, I don't – I. He, he got a chance to get paid back. He didn't at least stand up and say all the stupid Seabot crap and, you know, any of that kind of stuff, you know, he mm-hmm. just kept being prologue shooting baskets and rapping, and, and spending, his money. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I just wish he would, he would talk to us. I don't want to talk to him so much about that. I I'd like to talk to him more because we want to get a couple people that are at least, you know, pretty well known from back in the day who were those big names that were really getting just, just beat up big time on the site? Because um, I, I think that, you know, I think that there's some instruction there. I think that one of the things that I'm really working on for the movie is there's kind of a dichotomy. Because, like, if you look at, like, Taylor Cabby, he came out of that and he, he came out fine, right? I mean, he went mm-hmm. on to start companies to, invest in companies to 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 continue to play and 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 he came out good tom dwan came out didn't seem to be terribly affected and yet guys like madison booth and 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 maybe even Pralad to some degree and some of these other guys you know it seems like that act of just being you know raped by these idiot type players i mean and and you know you can imagine the, the, the mindset of these guys back then, you know, cause they probably tried to bum hunt some of these names, you know, I mean, it's like, oh, yeah, these guys are sitting here playing all their hands. Of course, you're going to just, you know, try and chase them around the tables. And, and then when you never beat them, I mean, there's a personality type in the gambling world. that's just gonna, I mean, that's just going to press the button. I mean, that's going to be like, you know, that that's the button you never press. And, and like Pralad talked, he said some nights he would just go crazy and just run through twenty buy-ins just out of spite.
2: Yeah. As, as somebody that plays heads that, up, yeah, as somebody that plays heads up, it's incredibly, um, it can be incredibly testing on on your patience um, to yeah. as, to do as, that. As somebody
0: who no longer plays heads up, I can attest to that as well. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Hey, if you actually do talk to Prahlad, ask him if uh, Lissandro really antied.
5: <laughs> yeah, we, we've we got to solve one crime at a time, you know?
1: I'm actually going to start a Kickstarter documentary thing for that.
4: There
0: you go. To yeah, find back. out if he actually anteed. If only the World Series had showed the video, they answered that. But I won't spoil, I won't spoil it for you. You can go back and watch. Shh, that's yeah, the I... ending of my movie. Oh, yeah. Good luck licensing that from ESPN. Yeah, I always felt like Prahlad got a little bit of a bad rap that it wasn't in the same class as a lot no pun of people. intended episodes. Yeah, no, he he had he made a good rap, got a bad rap.
5: <laughs> yeah, I think uh, what, what really you know it comes out in those things is that um, the the poker world, you know, we're going to cover it pretty heavily, and, and this may be a point where I take a little flack when the movie comes out, but. You know, we're going to cover that whole really conflicted media thing. I mean, pretty much the entire uh, media model is based around affiliate advertising and and conflicted interests. And so there just really isn't anybody to stand up for players. And, of course, uh, whether or not you uh, like the PPA now, back in the day, the PPA interests were aligned clearly with the rooms. So there really wasn't anybody on the player's side to really do anything about any of this stuff. Um, and, you know, so somebody, somebody like Prahlad or the other guys that signed on, you know, they had to know that even if they didn't come out and say anything, that their likeness was being used to say, everything's okay here. You know, you can go ahead and deposit comfortably. And that, that, that may be one of the bigger things for Phil Helmuth, for instance. I mean, you know, a lot of people were screaming through 2009 and 2010 that players weren't you know, remunerated fairly. Uh, I can show you a ton of high uh, stakes limit hold'em players, for instance, that were not even, you know, they were just derisorily, you know, uh, remunerated. Like a guy who plays three hundred, six hundred gets back, you know, fourteen hundred dollars, or one guy got three hundred dollars. I mean, you can't even. <laughs> what, what, I mean, that's not, you know, so that's not even a bet, you know, and and it just doesn't even make any sense. And and so there were a lot of signposts at that point, but. You know, they just—they all closed their eyes and said, "No, nah, everything's fine here. Just keep putting your money in with this, and and it'll all be cool."
2: Yeah, I, as like right before um, Black Friday hit, when Ultimate Bet, you know, wasn't in the greatest light then, but it was still you know up and running at least. I played a tournament, and I had a UB sponsored player at my table. And it's like, how do you, how does that happen? Like, how do you feel going ahead and representing a company like that? What'd they say? Uh, Well, I mean, he busted before I could even like talk to him, but (laughs) it's, it's weird to see as somebody who knows kind of the online poker community and the scene and stuff versus some some guy that's just buying into a tournament you know just because it's at his local casino and sees that ub logo as a sign of trust almost like you said
5: i think one of the things we're going to cover too and 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 again i believe our film's really going to be good for the game i don't think it's it's going to be any kind of a hammer blow on the game or anything like that i've played my whole life so i have no reason to do that but One of the things that that I think a lot of people that grew up in the boom versus people that have been around a little bit longer uh, sort of knew and then the people in the boom now sort of know is that, you know, the game is filled with edge seekers and and that's on and off the felt. And and, and so what happens is, is that when you're around a a, a group of people where there is a high preponderance of that all the time, Mm. you know, it, it may be easier to. To justify some of those bad calls, you know, it may, may be a little bit easier to tell yourself, you know, how bad is this when I just heard about, you know, s- what these guys did over here, you know, and because people talk in the poker world and, you know, they, they tell each other some of the stories that happen behind the scenes and some of the, the stuff that takes place and some of it's, you know, kind of seemly, unseemly. So, you know, it's easy to see how these guys probably buy. And of course, the sums of money are, you know. To the real people in the real world, you know, thinking about repping a poker site and making a million dollars a year for somebody like Phil, I mean, it's just – they just look at it and say, for what? I mean,
2: you know, and they don't understand it. Yeah. Very interesting stuff. Um, Is there anything else that you would kind of like to talk about, you know, just involving the documentary or any other teasers that you kind of want to give?
5: Well, I think think the – we covered – we covered a couple of the major points. You know, the, the biggest one I think that is going to be of interest to players is that the, the payback process was not was clearly flawed, clearly didn't pay back players anywhere near what the, the owners said. And we'll line up all the things to really show how that works. And, of course, you know, when the thing was still ongoing, what all of the site owners sort of hung their hat on was Paul Leggett. Well, You know, now, of course, after Black Friday, we know pretty much that Paul Leggett was a liar. I mean, he was clearly working for, you know, the Montana fellas. And and, uh, I mean, if he tells us he still doesn't know that he's kind of, you know, gone underground. But if he if he was to surface and tell us he didn't know that, I'd really like to know who the heck was signing his paychecks because, you know, it's clear that they were in charge. So so the payback process was incomplete. And I think that's something that that. It should be of interest because the dollar numbers really don't jibe. For me, I thought it was interesting. I looked at my spreadsheets, and I put about $11,000 into tournaments on UB, which was way lower than any other site that I played on. But I was it was the only site I wasn't profitable in tournaments. And I'm pretty sure in my mind, I, we're, the movie's going to cover it, that the multi-table tournaments would have been one of the easiest places for them to make a lot of money without being detected. Uh, Limit Hold'em, other, you know, oddball games, they had some pretty high-stakes games going in in some of the, you know, Potlum and Omaha, uh, 8 or Better, or some of the, you know, the games that, you know, you don't really think that much about. But all they really refunded was No Limit Mm Hold'em. The other thing that I think that is going to be interesting to a lot of people is that, back to this poker media thing, you know, I like the guys over at Wicked Chops. I mean, I I I think they they do a, you know, a, a pretty neat thing, and, and I like them enough. But uh, I think they they kind of did a little bit of a disservice to the world when they got on board with Joe uh, to sell that series that they did on the case. Because that series, if you read through it, it essentially says no. It really all boils down that there's like two people that might be guilty, and then everybody else is pretty much not guilty, and you know, it's kind of like a Jedi mind trick, you know, and then here, look, look at this girl with this giant, you know, I mean, it was like just begging everybody to move on from the scandal and just, you know, accept that Russ Hamilton did it all. So we're not going to let that stand. I mean, there's there's a lot of roles like like Freddie Deeb's a good example. You know, Freddie got brought in really quickly because of the evidence and and the evidence is pretty harsh on, on his role. Uh, But yet he pretty much Barry Greenstein pretty much single handedly exonerated Freddie and he was divorced from the case and people don't think he really was was part of it now. But I think when people really see the facts all lined up and understand that somebody had to be picking up live cash in casinos for money that was lost to the super users online, uh, his role looks a little different. You know, when when you actually stretch it all out and look at all the facts together, put them in, in, in order so that's a big one to show a lot of the names. Some of the names would like the programming team, the developers, a uh, guy like Daniel Cunningham is a name nobody really has heard of, has just a, a beautiful farm that he bought that well over a million dollars that uh, you know he was the programming guy, who, the, the guy who set up the original software and did all that stuff. So we're going to go into all of that. And I think people are going to find it interesting because it's – it's really a, an interesting business story at the same time that it's also this, you know, poker crime. Interesting.
1: Yeah. I'm definitely well, looking forward to it. And I hope you get all the funding to make the movie you want to make.
5: Yeah. I, I, I'm confident actually. I, we've, we've got about 25, a little more than 25% of the Kickstarter goal. We're, we're about a weekend. So, I mean, we're tracking okay there, I guess I, I've never done one of these. We kept the number necessarily low. We, the number we really need is a little higher than what we put on the Kickstarter page, but if you do your research in these kinds of projects, you know the typical project gets funded around fifty-five, sixty-five hundred dollars. So we decided to do that. You can get more. So like, if it's three days left and we're at ten thousand, you know that's that all goes to the project. So um, I, I feel good that what well, the poker community is knocking all this down. We just Stinger eighty-eight just gave us a, a, a nice donation the other day. Uh, uh andy seth uh logged in we've got a bunch of people that are just you know throwing 10 and 25 dollars at it that's what we need and, and uh and yeah so so yeah I, I i feel good about it right now i guess you can contact me in about three weeks and see where <laughs> we're at
1: but, uh, well, I, I wish i could yeah. donate all my ub
2: money yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah um how does somebody find it um who hasn't heard about the project before
5: Yes. So our, our main page right now is doubleheadpictures.com, and everything can sort of be accessed from there. I'm going to make a better URL for the movie itself. Probably uh, some of the ones have already been snapped up, so I need to get, get on that. But uh, like UB Movie or something like that is already gone. But uh, but Doublehead Pictures is the main one, and uh, that will show you to the Kickstarter page. It will also show you to some of the clips that we've done and. Uh, I also have a production blog on there where I'm just kind of writing about the process as we go along. And the next one I'm writing is going to be about the gear we bought and and what we did to try and and be able to do a pro movie, a pro style movie for not too much money.
2: Awesome. Uh, Well, thanks so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. And like Tom said, I, I really hope that it gets funded so that you can get as much of the story that you want to tell in there
5: yeah the biggest thing that we're looking for just so folks can know where their money's going is. we shot a number of interviews in Vegas this last uh, during the World Series. I, I had another trip in April. I was out there shot a few interviews. Uh, but we have a couple of really key interviews we need to get and two of them are on the East Coast. One is Nat Aram. Uh, I, I, he's committed it you know to do it. We could do a Skype thing if we had to. obviously, we have high def cameras. We really want to go out and do a real proper shoot. And then we've got some interesting people in Los Angeles we want to shoot, and who knows, maybe we'll get Prahlad to you know, sit down in his driveway after shooting some baskets or something. I don't
2: know. <laughs> That'd be awesome. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Scott. All righty.
4: Hey, this is Mitch's Minute. Today I'm talking about the Olympics. What interests me about the Olympics is most of the sports nobody ever watches except for a few weeks every four years. This is because these sports are boring. Swimming cut it. It's throwing primates into an unnatural environment and watching them struggle. Until people can swim faster than I can jog, it's not worth watching. Athletics cut down a few events, but everything else is great. Unlike swimming, somebody vaulting 6 metres in the air is impressive. Tennis, soccer, big sports like this all have international events much bigger than their section at the Olympics, so there's no point in adding them to the schedule. If I want to watch tennis in the UK, it'll be at Wimbledon. Rowing. Too many paddles. Single paddles, doubles, weird kayaking, and canoe paddles. Canoeing should only be reserved for family holidays and school camps. Get rid of everything except the sculling events, which is apparently the two-oared boats. One thing I do want to see in rowing is corners. Racing around a track would be far more interesting than going in a straight line. Archery is my favorite Olympic sport. Tense the whole time, and a lot of matches come down to sudden-death shootouts, which I think is unfair on the archers, but makes for really interesting ends to matches. This has been Mitch's Minute.
2: All right, I'd like to thank Scott Bell for coming on, uh, talking about his Ultimate Beat documentary on Kickstarter. Um also like to thank TJ again for reviewing the win, finally. And thanks to Mitch for doing your minute.
0: Check us out at BadugiAllStars.com. We'll put up a link to Scott's Kickstarter and his website, in case you didn't get that during the interview. Follow us on Twitter, twitter.com, BadugiAllStars. Facebook.com, BadugiAllStars. Uh, if you're listening on iTunes... Give us some stars and ratings and reviews and stuff. Five stars. Up, five stars. That's right. If you want to give us any less than that, our show is called the 2 Plus 2 PokerCast.
1: And if you have any hands, be sure to submit them at Stars at gmail.com.
0: If, yep. If anyone has sent you money and you would like to send it to us instead of paying them for it, <laughs> badugiallstars at gmail.com.
1: All right. Uh, we'll see you in two weeks. This is Techmo Spicy Bowl.
0: No, we were doing new names. I didn't have time to think of one. This is Nixon the Grouch. This
2: is three four offsuit. (laughs) See you guys later. Banana balls.
1: Spicy.